Welcome to TV7 Israel's podcast. We invite you to listen and share our latest content from Israel and the region. This is the Middle East Review of TV7. Shalom to all our good viewers around the world. We are back here, as usual, at the end of the uh, month with my very good friend and colleague, uh, Reserve Colonel uh, Eran Lerman, Professor Eran Lerman, and many, many other titles. And this month, again, there is not a dull moment here in the Middle East. And I would like to start, Eran, uh, uh, with your permission, with Lebanon. Indeed. Lebanon, you know, we have seen, of course, the last year with a huge explosion of the you know, uh, depot, uh, which was basically a Hezbollah depot, a devastating uh, effect on Beirut. Still hundreds of thousands of uh, uh, Lebanese are, are still homeless. And of course, the effect on the economy to what has used to be anyway a very, very bad economy is now on the brink of total collapse. At the same time, the political stalemate is still there. Uh, Hariri uh, returned the mandate to uh, President Aoun uh, for uh, not uh, being able or not wanting to uh, uh, build a government. Hezbollah <coughs> is not allowing anything to move without their uh, permission. And this leaves our border kind of in a vulnerable position. Uh, just a few days ago, we had two rockets coming out of Lebanon to uh, the Western Galilee. Luckily, nothing happened. One was intercepted. The other one fell on an, an open field, which again attests to the efficacy of the, the arrow and Iron Dome because they don't waste it on, uh, on rockets that they know would fall uh, on the sea on the open, uh, open field. So this probably was shot by uh, some renegade Palestinian <coughs> organization, terror organization. But well, the question is... used to the assumption that yeah. anything that happens in South Lebanon cannot is, happen without Hezbollah's exactly. permission. So this is my question. Is Even Hezbollah, the activity of UNIFIL <laughs> yeah. is curtailed by what Hezbollah allows right. them or does right. not allow them to do, right. unfortunately. So assuming that Hezbollah has not lost its grips over Lebanon because of the political economic uh, fiasco, uh, the danger is that uh, they are offering now a salvage to the Lebanese through Iranian aid. Right now, the situation here in, in Lebanon is that the, the uh, Sunni and Christians, very poor, have almost nothing to eat. The Shiites are the only ones who enjoy uh, the uh, stream of supplies from uh, Iran. The question is, how is it going to end? Will Iran take over through Hezbollah? Will there be a major change? Will the Europeans and uh, the Americans and the French uh, would allow that? How would it impact Israel and and the region? Very good. Take it from here. Open questions, really, because um, we know what the position of the West 
uh, has been since August, since the explosion. The French came very quickly in. Uh, they are organizing uh, an international support mechanism for Lebanon, but Which it didn't is, pan out basically. But it's conditional. It's mm, conditional, right. major political and uh, and structural go uh, governmental reforms in Lebanon, uh, basically undoing the current political mm -hmm. situation there and establishing a normal government. And this hasn't happened. And the question is, will they be in a position to insist? And how will they react to Israeli actions, which will be aimed at denying the Iranians the option of, for example, uh, supporting uh, the Lebanese or specifically their Lebanese, their, their allies in Lebanon with uh, oil supplies? Because this is actually against, uh, still against the international, uh, against the American sanction system, which is still intact because the, uh, the negotiations in Vienna have not moved forward. Um, I think that the, the, the future of Lebanon really hangs in the balance, and we face two dangers. One, as you say, uh, is that Hezbollah will actually um, choose a provocation in order to turn attention away from the collapse of governance. And the other is that Lebanon will slide into chaos or even uh, some form of uh, all civil war again, all against all. We've seen already uh, some violence in, in the north, in the poor Sunni north, in, in, in the streets of Tripoli. People are extremely frustrated. Uh, a good number of Lebanese, even Shia, uh, young Shia, uh, pinned the blame on Hezbollah. So they would have to tread very carefully. Uh, and Israel would have to respond very assertively to, to any provocation in order to uh, make it very clear to Hezbollah that we will not tolerate. And to that effect, uh, Iran, we heard very strong statements by uh, General Kohavi, the chief of staff of Israel, also by Benny Gantz and also by our prime minister, the new prime minister, uh, Bennett. So uh, I guess it's a very present and clear danger that uh, everybody's bracing here. Well, and it's also an attempt to educate Hassan Nasrallah in advance. You may remember that after his uh, uh, war of 2006, which he launched knowing, uh, on the assumption that Israel would react in a, in a very limited and, and calculated way. And he met with a very fierce response. And later, when he had to choose between uh, appearing to have been uh, a destroyer of Lebanon and being uh, an, uh, knowingly and appearing as a fool, uh, after having built a reputation of a man who understands Israel, who knows how Israel works, all of a sudden he had to admit to a mistake because otherwise he would have been guilty of knowingly bringing all this uh, suffering on the Lebanese people. He chose to play the idiot. Had I known that uh, Olmert and Peretz would act that way, I wouldn't have done it. So we are making it known to him that we would uh, react very fiercely uh, and Lebanon cannot afford. That's a very interesting point, Iran, because it seems like uh, when he acted, when he abducted the, our soldiers, killing five, and this is what prom prompted the war, it was just in the very early ages of a new government then with Olmert as a prime minister yes. then and Peretz as a, as a defense. And it could have been also a way of testing them or thinking that they will not 
have the wherewithal to, to react. Now we also have a, uh, a yeah. new government with Bennett. Gantz is the mainstay. You know, he's been there for, for a while. But this also, uh, do you think, could uh, lead to a miscalculation by Hezbollah? Or did Nasrallah learn his lesson? Well, I hope it's the second, because uh, this is very... Uh, first of all, this will be the second time around, and the messages from Israel are very clear, unambiguous. Um, the IDF is led by people with uh, plenty of experience uh, in Lebanon. In fact, I think that Bennett also uh, served in Lebanon or carried out missions in Lebanon in his time. Including in the last war, the 206. Yes. The second Lebanese war, yeah. So um, this is not an untested crew. Um, uh, Olmert, uh, I think, had very little military uh, background. Bennett, while uh, uh, leaving service as a major, was certainly uh, in the best unit. So um, I think the message to the Lebanese, to Hezbollah, is don't make that mistake again. So as... You see, uh, Lebanon is still, uh, I guess, in our minds, is the most explosive uh, um, point or region in, in at this, uh, at this uh, moment in the Middle East. And as long as we're there, let's stay still in the northern front, namely Lebanon, Syria, Iran, Iraq. And if we move a little bit to the east, uh, we see that there's still some exchange of, um, I would say, of violent activities between the United States and between Shia militias, whether it's in Iraq or also in Syria. We have also seen some uh, mysterious explosive uh, attacks in Syria as well, including a very, very uh, strategic place in Karaj where they manufacture the uh, the, the uh, state-of-the-art if, if, uh, centrifuges. If, 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 if you go with the what's running in the uh, Israeli social networks, how daring of the uh, Republic of Le- or the uh, Principality of Liechtenstein <laughs> to strike in Syria <laughs> in this fashion? That's a good one. That's a good one. But uh, uh, we see, we see now. Uh, is there a um, danger? It's going to spill over. Uh, the Iranians were quite, I would say, either timid or tame not to, to react, uh, certainly not directly, uh, but uh, through their proxies. Hezbollah not, but uh, militia, Shia militias, whether it's in Iraq or in Syria. But so far, it seems like whoever it is, the United States and other Western uh, allies of the United States are, are quite keeping them at bay. Well, the Israeli pattern of what's generally called, without reference to any specific action, which Israel never confirms or denies, the uh, broad pattern of what's called the campaign between the wars, Mabam by its Hebrew initials, it's a concept developed under the former chief of staff, Gadi Eisenkot, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but pursued also by the present leadership, and apparently uh, um, in, in continuous, continued use uh, under Bennett as it was under Netanyahu. The concept is to deny the Iranians certain uh, capabilities while speaking to the Syrians sweetly through the ears of the Russians, telling them that they would run very serious dangers if, uh, if they allowed the Iranians to respond from their territory. Mm-hmm. 
So that has been the, uh, the sort of the nature of the game. It's a trilateral or, or quadrilateral game. We are fighting the Iranians on Syrian soil, on which the Russians uh, are not only present but aware of what we are doing and able to restrain the Syrians, because uh, their common interest with us is that Assad should survive rather than get into a full tilt clash, full clash with Israel, which could undermine everything that they've invested in, uh, in Syria. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's a very complicated, very delicate uh, game. It requires um, an open channel with, with Moscow. And for us, it has been working. The Americans are in a different situation because they have been suffering provocations uh, from Iranian-controlled militias in both Iraq and in the areas of Syria where they still have a, a and limited Iran, They presence. also have shown a uh, soft spot by actually declaring their exit, not just from Afghanistan, but also from uh, Iraq and Syria. Well, uh, so far they've stayed. I think the administration is a bit wary of what may come to be perceived as a total collapse of their position. Afghanistan, it's an understandable although decision, although uh, the consequences are already becoming quite severe for the Afghani people. Of course, of course. Uh, the bombings in Kabul, the destabilization, the rise of uh, this murderous regime of the Taliban in parts of Afghanistan, the likelihood that they will take over with all that this entails for the future of the Muslim world. Uh, these are very serious issues, and I think the administration would, uh, would be very careful not to uh, project an image of, of total collapse. Maybe this is also um, having an effect on their posture in Vienna, because they, uh, even uh, a, a for, uh, let's say, uh, moderate, administration as compared to the Trump administration, doesn't like to be portrayed as if uh, it is being intimidated by violence, mm -hmm. by, in this case, Iranian violence. So um, the talks seem to be stalled. There are murmurs or rumors of disquiet in Washington about the future of the talks. Uh, there's talk about the possibility of scrapping them and looking for an alternative. Uh, it all is intimately connected with the, the talks, the, the nuclear talks in Vienna, which have uh, been suspended actually on account of the Iranians. Well, the Iranians have decided to wait until the new president takes over. Raisi. His, yeah. Raisi's position um, is an open question. Um, the hangman, Raisi the hangman, and we have the seen butcher, some, indeed. the butcher, the hangman, we have seen some uh, demonstrations against him by Iranian expatriates all over the world. Moreover, I've seen some indications in the last few days that uh, parts of Iran are witnessing uh, disquiet. Um, Akhwaz, uh, the Arab uh, minority mm -hmm. of uh, southwestern Iran, mm -hmm. uh, there have been apparently demonstrations, even violent demonstrations. They have spread to other parts, the, uh, the, Iranians, the Iranian regime is, is uh, sitting on a... Uh, Explosion on, bar. On a, on a, keg, on a, yeah, a, a powder keg. keg. Powder yes. keg, yeah. <laughs> At the same time, somebody like Raisi, uh, whose mindset is very close to that of Khamenei, 
is also worried that uh, I think that uh, uh, the expectations generated by a renewed deal, the uh, influx of uh, business with the international community, on one hand may put some cash into uh, the, uh, the regime's pockets, but at the same time could undermine its ideological purity. This is this, this uh, phantom of the uh, cultural invasion has always been on Khamenei's mind and maybe also on Raisi's mind. So he, uh, I, I don't think that we can look at the talks in Vienna as a done deal. Um, they may collapse. Um, and we have to be ready for the consequences of such mm -hmm. collapse. And of course, the new uh, government of uh, Bennett here uh, in Israel, Bennett, Lapid, and Gantz, of course, is a defense minister. Have they made up their minds to the a new approach, maybe? It seems like, of course, the strategy is the same. Iran is an existential threat. Nuclear Iran is a must not happen. Question is in the tactics, whereas... Uh, Netanyahu, uh, you know, boycotted all the, the talks and even on contacts between us and the United States in order to not legitimize even these talks. But it seems like Bennett is coming with a new approach, maybe given the lessons learned from the old approach of Bibi Netanyahu, which have not really uh, gave us good results. Well, uh, certainly Lapid, who's not only the foreign minister, but the alternate prime minister and a very uh, important central figure in this government, unlike former foreign ministers in recent history who were sidelined easily. He cannot be sidelined. And uh, he is certainly bringing with him uh, a, an attitude designed to uh, um, rebuild relations with the United States on a bipartisan basis, reaching out not to the uh, far uh, left or radical wing of the Democratic Party, but to the mainstream, speaking to the administration, rebuilding the relationship with American Jewry. All of these are interconnected with this effort to move the needle in terms of where the Americans, American requirements would be in a future deal. Because as time goes by and as the Iranians continue to enrich, um, the, J the old JCPOA is becoming less and less relevant. You need a new framework, a new agreement, uh, 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 so strong enough and long enough to uh, keep uh, so that the promise that uh, President Biden made to President Rivlin uh, can be upheld also in the years after he leaves office. Mm -hmm. That rendering, Iran will not be allowed to yeah. become a nuclear military and, nuclear power. Right, and rendering uh, the uh, JCPOA obsolete, maybe, if uh, the Iranians will continue this um, cat and mouse game, whereby they are procrastinating talks in Vienna, but at the same time they continue to enrich. Uh, they also uh, continue to work on the uh, on the weaponizing uh, group which may really bring the entire issue and the entire region in, in, into a brink because Israel will not uh, allow the Iranians to break through uh, to the bomb, nor will the Americans uh, allow that. So it seems like if there is no reckoning in Iran after Raisi is uh, being installed in office, which is in about a week or two, uh, if they will go back 
in an honest way, which is hard to believe. It's almost uh, mutually exclusive for, for them to do that. But whether they will open up for monitoring and for uh, controlling and everything, or will they continue to procrastinate? And this may lead to a real head-on yes. collision, which could be very, very dangerous for the entire region and much beyond. And Israel's uh, campaign between the wars is also a way of signaling to our friends in the Gulf, our peace partners in the UAE and Bahrain who uh, face Iran uh, directly, Saudi Arabia, uh, which has uh, a relationship with Israel, although uh, it is undeclared, um, that we are not, uh, uh, we are good for our word. We are not just saying things, we are doing things mm -hmm. that, uh, that uh, prove our, uh, our value. Uh, in, in, certainly so in the, at the time when they have their doubts about the American position. And um, I would say this is also an, an open issue. Lebanon is an open issue. Iran is an open issue. Iraq and Syria are open issue. And now let's, as, as long as we stay in the north, maybe a little bit northwest, Turkey. We have had a very uh, surprise call, maybe, by Erdogan president of Turkey, to our newly elected, uh, elected by the Knesset uh, president, President uh, Herzog, who replaced President uh, Rivlin. He got a call which lasted 40 minutes and uh, where, according to what we hear, Erdogan expressed the desire to really warm up relations, um, which again... Reset. Or reset. Yeah, <laughs> this is a almost revolution... Uh, revolutionizing the relationship, uh, also talking about bringing back the Turkish ambassador, maybe not the one that they uh, selected to begin with, which is an anti-Israeli one, uh, and we have the papers to show it in his uh, dissertations and academic work. But um, we can understand why Turkey is trying to warm up relations with Israel, also with an eye to Washington, also True. because they have failed in their, um, let's say, um, attempt to really get a hegemony in the region. But at the same time, as they are trying to placate Israel, whether it's uh, strategic or just tactical, just short-lived, we don't know yet. But at the same time, they're being very aggressive to the Greek and to, uh, to the Cypriots, whereby in uh, Verosha, they are actually trying to rebuild populate the area and uh, define basically the entire world, the entire uh, EU, as they continue to occupy North uh, Cyprus uh, to a uh, place where it will not be, you know, yeah. reversible. Irreversible. These are clearly interconnected uh, positions. Uh, the uh, nationalist drive against the Greeks, opens the uh, Turks up to attack uh, in Washington, and therefore they are trying to uh, protect their flank by reaching out to Egypt, Saudi Arabia, and Israel. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. After they've been confronted with uh, Biden's decision to recognize the Armenian uh, genocide of uh, 1915, um, they, they know that their position in Washington is, or Erdogan knows that his position in Washington is now very precarious. And so this is, this is an attempt to play uh, traditional international diplomacy to balance 
against the difficulty. Um, whether Israel should be tempted is another question. I think that the visit in Israel of uh, Greek Foreign Minister Nikos Drandias is an indication, as well as the uh, quite extensive range of Israeli um, diplomatic, economic, and even military uh, cooperation activities uh, with Cyprus and Greece are indicative of our choice in this matter. Right. We can right. talk to the Turks, but we will not be tempted by sweet uh, nothings from yeah. Ankara. Yeah. It seems like never we'll return to a strategic cooperation with the Turks in terms of intelligence exchange and uh, military cooperation. These days are long gone, until, unfortunately, uh, because until of... Uh, Unless and until uh, Ankara abandons its current yeah. um, Well, we have to remember, Erdogan is an Islamist. The AK, the, the, uh, the, his party is basically a uh, Ikhwan party. It's a uh, one yeah, that... Uh, I call them the Muslim cousins. Not the Muslim brothers, the Muslim cousins. Right, right. Well, they are the Turkish Hamas, basically, or the Turkish Muslim so, uh, Brotherhood. And as long as they are there... I guess uh, it cannot be uh, trusted, so maybe relations will be limited to uh, economic, uh, which is... Uh, One of your former colleagues wrote a book, he called it Demo Islam. Alone. Right. I'm not sure that Demo is still there, given how many uh, journalists are in jail and, and, and how much yeah, repression we see. More, more uh, journalists are incarcerated in uh, Turkey than in Iran, even. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a horrible uh, situation, and maybe this is why also, in order to kind of alleviate any pressure from the West, we see this uh, trying to rapprochement uh, effort uh, between Ankara and Jerusalem. Well, we'll see what uh, is happening there. We um, see that there are a lot of, of uh, enigmatic questions. Uh, one small issue small? In, the, so small? In, the, in the context <laughs> of things is uh, the, the talks with the Hamas in yes. Cairo, which go off and on, uh, about uh, the arrangement of uh, new uh, uh, terms, uh, modus operandi or modus vivendi in, in Gaza after the last uh, campaign. Uh, Hamas, uh, I don't know how they can allow themselves to keep their people in such miserable conditions as they toughen their position vis-a-vis uh, Israel uh, when they want the Qatari money in cash, where they do not want to discuss uh, their return. From humanitarian issues, the Israeli uh, bodies of the two soldiers and the two persons, Israelis uh, over there, who is supporting them and why? Well, they still have some Turkish support, but uh, in Iranian military support. But yes, they are playing with the lives of their own citizens, while the attentions of Egypt are turned elsewhere because of the uh, Ethiopian dam crisis. And this also hangs in the balance. And that's, uh, yeah, it's again quite a stalemate. It also goes against the American interest who would have liked to strengthen the hand of the Palestinian Authority vis-a-vis Hamas. But they are also helpless in that uh, that respect, and this is going to be an issue that will, uh, of course, will uh, will have to follow for uh, the long time. In any case, uh, in this we show we have covered quite a full agenda. Again, it's the Middle East. Thank you very much for watching, and we'll see you again next show. Thank you. 
Thank you for joining us in another TV7 Israel podcast. For more content, visit our website at tv7israelnews.com or follow us on social media.